following podcast may contain some adult language. You've been warned. Those of you who got an invite, welcome to NerdProm. <laughs> no matter where in the world you are, we're all NERDS International. With the hyphen. To Finding the Narrative, a Genesis RPG podcast. This is a show dedicated to the Genesis role-playing system from Fantasy Flight Games, a show in which we, your hosts, discuss all things Genesis from both a player's and a GM's perspective. I am Tony Fanning, and with me, as always, is my homie and your own Christopher Holmes. How's it cooking, Chef Homie? <laughs> Dude, I still smell like smoke, man. Smoke me some uh, bratwurst tonight <laughs> on my grill, and gonna go over to my buddy Kyle's house tomorrow night to play Gloomhaven, and we'll be cooking a chuck roast tomorrow. Gonna be smoking it all day. <laughs> Dude, your your food stories have become so infamous that we have nerds from all over the world wanting to move to your house. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Daryl, Jamie, me. Well, that's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, uh, hey, maybe, maybe you know, I'm I'm kind of playing to the German crowd with the bratwurst, you know, smoking the bratwurst or whatever. But anyways, yeah, mouth is watering, and I must say, man, with our news that just came out yesterday, my mouth is watering as well. And you have something written here in our oh, show yeah. notes. What is that? Holy, holy fuck balls, Gen Con. <laughs> Yep. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, there was a little bit of news last night. Just a wee bit smidge. <laughs> so, so at the in-flight briefing, I'm sure it's made it around the community to most everyone, but if oh, you yeah. only listen to our podcast and don't pay attention to news anywhere else... We're sorry if you do. <laughs> yes. Um, there is some new stuff coming down the pipe. Oh, yeah. In... In Q4 this year, we have the Expanded Player's Guide, which will include more careers, more talents. Uh, it has setting treatments like uh, like in the original core book, has setting treatments for horror, for uh, classic myth, and for... Um, um, uh, post-apocalyptic was one, right? Post-apocalypse, yes. Okay. Oh, so it's so it's just going to be what they've done in a core book. They just they've just added a few a few more. Okay, yep, that's cool. expanded player's guide. Mm-hmm. Then same time that comes out, also in Q4 this year. Yeah. What everyone's been asking for, a GM screen. <laughs> nice. And Jamie, Which, Jamie Jamie made a comment that it's landscape size. Yep. Which yep. is I prefer that. Thank you, FFG. It's a three-panel landscape pattern. Cool. Uh, excellent, or maybe four-panel. I don't know. Couldn't yeah. see the art very well because their their audio visual died. Oh really? And, uh-huh. and they have a really. They said they had a really good presentation for the next thing they announced, which is our next setting book. Due in Q two next year. Yeah. Keyforge. Sweet. I played. You and I played the played the card game a couple times. 
Yeah. It's there's a, like there's a, some fiction there on their there's website. There's a ton so. of fiction to it. Yeah. Is there really? Oh. Mm-hmm. Cool. So so it, it looks to be interesting. I'm sure it's not what everyone wanted to hear. I have heard a few other rumors that were out on the floor at Gen Con that only things have been passed around that FFG is also has things on their list of settings and Tannhauser and Twilight Imperium and um, uh, a couple Look, others are, are, on the, are on their list, yes, Good. of things to do. So those are coming, mm-hmm. just no idea when. <laughs> I, I, I just hope they, you know, there are other cons besides Gen Con to announce this stuff at. You know, you got Gary Con in, the, yeah. in February. <laughs> <laughs> You've got Khan and Cobb. If you guys want to drop something else, that's coming up in a few months. Yeah, we'll, we'll <laughs> gladly Tintin host. We'll gladly host an event. Yeah, there's Khan in the North. Khan in the North up here, you know, in Minnesota. Come on, guys, in the spring. <laughs> and then you have you said you said that there you have a bullet bullet on here called Marvel Live. What is it? Live Living Card Game. Living Card Game. They, yeah, LCG. They're doing Marvel Champions, which huh. again, I'm a big superheroes guy. Mm-hmm. Love superhero stuff. Their LCGs have all been good. I mean, that's where we got Android from. That's okay. where we got they they've got the L5R card game, and I you I taught you how to play that. That was pretty fun. Yeah, that was kind of a kind of a brain burner a little bit too, man. That was a little complicated, but once we got into it, that was pretty fun. Yeah, I like yeah. that one. And now they're doing they're going to be launching a Marvel LCG, which if they're getting the Marvel license for games, who knows? Maybe we'll get some Genesis treatment, too. Never yeah, know. Maybe a superhero source book. <gasps> no, now, now <laughs> probably won't see it as a Genesis thing. We'll probably see it as uh, mimicking Star Wars, its own line. Like, oh, I see. Okay. I that can see could that. Work. Okay, that could work. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and so. there's this. There's also this, this small little thing out there called the Genesis Foundry they mentioned, too. Oh yeah, yeah dudes. This That's for was everybody the, out there, man. That's great. This was the biggest piece of news all of us fans had been waiting for. Yep. A place to sell your fan generated content. Yep. Now there's some questions online as to the license and how it works, and there's some there's some legality issues that need to be ironed out. So don't jump out and try to publish your stuff right away mm-hmm. because right now it says if you publish it, you don't own it. Um, gotcha. And if it's, but it does basically in one place, it says if you publish it here, if it's not for uh, Terranoth or Android, it has to be a setting you own. Got it. And, and you retain those rights. But then in another place, it tells you they own everything that you publish. So, and can do whatever they want with it. So hmm. it's, yeah, yeah, so if you want to hold on to your if you want to hold on to your IP, your intellectual property on these things, do your homework. I'm not a legal guy. I really couldn't give any advice, and, but do your homework on it. I'm most sure. Definitely. I'm sure it was a rush to get this uploaded after the briefing from Gen Con. They had a lot of technical issues with their in-flight briefing. Yeah, I honestly think that they probably just missed it in the fine print and are going to go in and fix it. Because uh, FFG's been real good about making sure mm-hmm. that they're um, the people that are that came out, and that's just it. It the 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 foundry opened yesterday, and there's already twenty or nineteen different documents up there. 
yeah. for, for people to get, including, mm-hmm. you know, some that we've seen before that we've even highlighted in, in on our show, yeah. which is like uh, Scott Zumwalt. Yep. Uh, and, um, yep, the Inquisition setting. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, a, a little work, uh, Ready Adversaries from, or something Adversaries um, by Sterling Hershey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Keith Kappel did this great supplement called Ready Fight, which is hand-to-hand combat, um, (laughs) martial arts, and, like, it even has a a setting treatment for, like, a wrestling setting inside. There you go, Uh, Uncle J-Raz. Get it. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's beautiful. and All you luchadors out there. (laughs) It's all available on DriveThruRPG. So, good stuff, man. Yeah, man. Oh. Finally, some news. Right, and Thank unfortunately, you. Stefan wasn't here today to read it. Unfortunately, not. Because then we would have gotten all that French Canadian excitement out of him. Yes, indeedy. <laughs> but he's home feeding the um, feeding maple syrup to his Canadian hamsters. Get that yeah. internet thing going. <laughs> Yeah, where he lives in rural Canada, the uh, yeah. internet gets real uh, splotchy this time of year because it's tourist season. So yep. we're we're hoping everybody, to get him. Yeah, everybody who's camping <laughs> is on the internet. Stay off the freaking internet if you go camping, people. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Quit handing your kids the iPad. Exactly. Hand them, hand them a ball and kick them out of the tent. That's right. Don't you guys, don't you know that there's like important people that need to do podcasts with us? Come on. <laughs> uh, hopefully he'll be mm-hmm. back for the next show and hopefully all of his issues will be ironed out after Labor Day. So, What, all of his issues? Oh, oh, all internet issues. Okay. Internet issues. Yes. <laughs> we weren't even going to any of the other issues. Oh, no. That's a that's a whole new ball of worms. Who's die whore? He's not here to defend himself, so I wasn't going to go into that. No. (laughs) Love you, Stefan. See you soon, buddy. (laughs) All right. So, yeah, so that's our news. That was a lot of news. (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) Take a little breath. (sighs) Okay, so a year from now, everybody, we'll have a lot more, too, again. (laughs) (laughs) It's like finding an oasis in a desert. (laughs) Yep. I just want to go swimming now. (laughs) <laughs> in, all, in all of this in the foundry all right so yeah, yeah check so, it out folks there's yeah. good stuff up there oh heck yeah and more and yeah this community very talented from the things obviously some of the stuff that we've highlighted things we haven't even highlighted um very talented so excited it's a great time to be a gamer man yeah. great time to be a gamer all right so, so listener feedback then yeah, and since I read the news, buddy, you want to do the listener feedback? Sure. From okay. <laughs> Yeah, I know why, because you want me to try and pronounce this guy's last name. Have fun pronouncing his surname. Okay. Here we go. John Kompopolus. Kompopolus. <laughs> All right, here we go. It's Kerbopolis. Kerbopolis? Sure. Yeah. Is it Kerbopolis? Something like that. Yeah. So, from John K., we have, hello, guys. First of all, let me congratulate you for the great work you are doing with the podcast. Exclamation point. Appreciate that, buddy. That's awesome to hear. Um, I love the way you, you discussed part of the system and then describe how you're implementing it into your setting. 
yeah, that was one of our um, main things that we wanted to do with it. Um, so, cool. Glad you realized that. <laughs> I've started listening from episode one, and I am now on episode ten, Talent Show Part Two. I'm thinking of playing a couple of one-shots with my group with pre-made characters to see how much the system works for us. In the first, horror-toned adventure, I want to have a psychic character who is sensitive to the otherworldly powers, but has minor to no control over his powers. Wow, that's cool. <laughs> While checking several settings, I saw that the Something Strange setting has the savvy archetype, which has a following ability. Oh, which, by the way, Something Strange is now on the <laughs> Jess's foundry, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um... So, the following ability, Insight. Once per session, your character may spend a story point as an incidental. If they do if they do so, they learn a fear, strength, flaw, or desire from a target within short range. I thought that converting this to a talent and giving it to the psychic character would reflect nicely um, his abilities. Since I have zero experience with the system, I'm not sure if this is too weak or too strong for a tier 1 talent. A thing that is... Um, the thing that is fine, since it may have a strong benefit learning the aspect of a character's motivation, but it can only be used once per session and by spending a story point. Your help will be extremely valuable. Thank you. John Korpopoulos. <laughs> have fun pronouncing the name. Yeah, we're having fun with it. Hopefully you're not offended. <laughs> so you, you responded to him. Yes, I did. I said, uh, first of all, thanks for listening, as I always do. Yeah. Secondly, uh, it was a great question. Mm -hmm. uh, and the answer to his inquiry really kind of be belongs in, uh, well, it's it's can be found in the second sentence of the tier two paragraph describing uh, when you're doing talent creation. Um, and that is that tier two is where talents bec uh, start becoming more interesting. Second sentence is, we suggest putting talents on tier two that change how your character is going to behave throughout an encounter. And uh, so when you're dealing with social encounters or knowing someone's uh, motivations, uh, that's going to affect the entire encounter. Definitely. Uh, and so the talent, he, the talent he would be creating fits in that category. Furthermore, the limiters that he's talking about of once per session and a story point, while they would seem to lower the tier by one, the potential in a campaign for a player to interact with reoccurring NPCs and mm -hmm. uh, across multiple sessions and gain multiple boost dice, learning all of their motivations um, and using them against them mm -hmm. does exist. So I would keep it firmly in the tier two. Now for a one shot, tier one is perfectly fine because you're not yeah. going to see it come up. Come up. Right. I mean, uh, cu coupling this with, I mean, if you know the fear or the flaw of a other of a um of a character i i think i was using a i have a talent for vlad in my in our um in that android setting where if you know that you're doing an extra extra three strain to somebody um so it can become a bit powerful if you if you kind of combine it with other talents too so tier, tier right. two feels good to me and like you said yeah the limiters on it once per session and spending a story point I mean, that's limits. Those limits are kind of like the, what is it? The signature abilities from Star Wars, almost, right? I mean, that's pretty, right. pretty and, cool. And and then he said, well, I'll maybe just make it once a session. And and again, if if you're just doing it for a one shot, you don't need to bother. Just keep it as is at a tier one. It's 
perfectly fine. Yep. Have um, them spend a story point for it. That's cool. Yep. Mm-hmm. That that works uh, yep. real well. So definitely. Oh, and uh, one more thing, uh, John. I I had done a character that was an empath for my deep madness setting, and I completely forgot about this until Chris and I were talking about it. And um, I gave her a empath was the species, and I gave her the mind reader special ability. Uh, mind reader as an action, the empath may make an opposed discipline versus discipline check, targeting one living creature within medium range. If the check succeeds, the empath receives vague impressions of the target's current thoughts and emotional state, handled narratively, of course. With three advantage or a triumph may be spent to discover hidden thoughts, memories, or motivations at the GM's discretion. Cool. So that's another one for you. Possibly you may want to look into that. And, uh, and then they also have, I also gave her the sense emotions talent, which is adds a boost die to all charm, coercion and deception checks. So Sweet. simple enough. Definitely. So John Kerbopoulos, thank you for the email. Uh, we appreciate it. I only selected the one, uh, one feedback because we, gathered up so much cool news exactly but we do have another show segment coming up yes we do Welcome to 50 Pieces of Awesome. Yeah, (laughs) this is where Chris goes out on the interweb. He doesn't have to go far anymore. He can just go to the Genesis Foundry. That's right. And he finds something (laughs) cool and points it out to us, talks about it, shares a link. What you got this week, buddy? Oh, it's spooky gooky that I have today. It is Vampire the Masquerade Genesis Conversion by Gecky. On um, yeah, this is uh, this is pretty sweet, I must say, because I pl- I played Vampire the Masquerade back in early '90s, probably you know short little campaign and whatever, and dude, we got like 35 pages of awesome here, um, with you know each clan, you know you got your archetypes, which is basically your clan, right? So you got your Bruja, Gangrel, and whatever. But what I like what he did added weaknesses to each one. Nice. It's kind of cool. So, like the Bruja, right? Weakness, cold exterior, but I burn inside. Add upgrade basically a difficulty to all rolls to resist frenzy. And then add 20% to the chart when you roll for frenzy. Now, frenzy is a thing where they where if you don't have enough blood in you or vate or whatever, when you kind of start, when you need to feed. And you don't, <laughs> you're gonna go ape shit. <laughs> so the Bruja, pretty, they have a little tougher time resisting that. So that's kind of cool. Um, yeah. yeah, and what I it also is the list of talents in here, they're restricted for your clan, right? So some of them are, you know, so a lot of thought has gone into this, and we've got a lot of different clans here. Some I haven't even, I don't haven't remembered in so long either. Um, added some careers and skills and and whatnot. A nice career list and skills. Won't go into the details on that. But um, 
what I what I what I like is um, well here here's an example of like a tier one restricted talent for say Gangrel only. By suffering a strain, the Gangrel can enlarge your pupils and make them similar to those of nocturnal predators for one scene. This allows them to ignore penalties due to darkness. That's kind of cool. But only yeah, Gangrel. And only Gangrel can do it, right? So that's kind of cool. Um, loving the... Um, what they've done with discipline. Making discipline, and of course disciplines from the game. You have every clan has their own disciplines that they're you know, associated with. And of course using the discipline skill. It makes sense there. But making the ranks cost more is interesting. So it wasn't specifically clear, uh, spelled out in this document, but I did go to the, to the thread and asked a couple questions about if you have, say, two ranks in discipline, which costs 20 XP, well, 10 XP for level uh, rank one, 20 XP for two, um, say the animalism, if you have the animalism discipline, if you have two ranks in it, you get feral whispers and beckoning. These two discipline abilities, you know, just kind of extra abilities there. Um, and some of these automatically add, like, uh, what do you call it? Upgrade checks, which is cool <laughs> for some of this stuff. Um, there's also special rules for damage and strain because, you know, you're vampires and people shouldn't kill you as easy unless you're in sunlight <laughs> and stuff like that and then rules for strain or or for feeding and frenzy which is interesting so yes oh. stop pounding oh sorry about that sorry <laughs> i'm sorry about that everybody <laughs> it was it was getting annoying how huh? you should say it say it earlier uh, I just noticed it. <laughs> Did you? Well, people yeah. was noticing it earlier. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's all right. This is not a professional podcast, is it? No. Uh, we should be by now. We've been doing it so long. <laughs> that's true. That is true. But um, you know, some of this frenzy, right? So you make you have to make a discipline check if you if you have lost your vitae or whatever you call that. Um, <laughs> you know, if, and you can. Uh, let's see. Rage, like exploding, but the canite only wants to eliminate, not escape the cause of the exception of sun, fire. Moreover, the additional check can only be triggered by spending a story point. Um, yeah, I don't know. This is this is pretty cool. This yeah, it's really pretty, well done. Pretty well done. And then of course, there's magic. There's also added magic. Oh. Um, there's like blood magic, necromancy. Yep. Um, yep. And uh, making these checks, man, you're gonna hey, if you're gonna use magic in this Vampire of the Masquerade, it, it, some things just start at a sep- at a uh, challenge die. Mm-hmm. So like taste of blood, determine crucial information of a subject by tasting their blood. That's one red die. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of cool. <laughs> I I really like the way he laid it out with the XP costs and the automatic upgrades and and, and it's well done. Yeah, yeah. Very well done. Very well done. Um, No, I think this is from a later much later version of Vampire because there's, like you said, clans that um, you know, the 
was this uh, death magic from the days of Pharaoh's priests and Anubis and the ways? I that must be a thing that they added later. That's really cool. Yeah, uh, I, I remember the thaumaturgy from the beginning. Mm-hmm. I I was there at Gen Con when they released the first Vampire the Masquerade, and I was like, oh my god, this game is amazing because all we had prior to that was you know D twenty games. Yep, didn't have anything that just used a pool of dice. Um, they mm-hmm. they introduced the dice pool, um, uh, to which Genesis uses, and yeah. that concept was uh, introduced with with this system. Uh, the storyteller system and at least as far as i know maybe weg now nah, weg with the dice pool for star wars probably was first but probably. now that i think about it um yeah. because that had been around before so yeah i'm wrong i just or didn't may- play. Hey, maybe, maybe even warhammer too <laughs> yeah. warhammer might have too with all that the miniatures war playing game that's true so okay so i'm full of shit uh but at least you're not banging one. on the table it like was me. the first one I ever saw. There. there you go. Yep. Yep. So, you know, at, uh, I think it was Gen Con 91 or 92 is when that came out. And, uh, long time ago. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think I was still in college. No. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, getting ready to head off into the Marine Corps. Oh, there you so. go. College of <laughs> life there. College of the world there. All right. But, uh, just so you know, uh, we loved what you did, Gecky, mm-hmm. And, we would like to award you 50 pieces of awesome. Don't spend them all in one place. All right, everybody. Welcome back. You can open up. We are in the Books of Genesis section of the show. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, and the name of the sh- name of the episode <laughs> is extra spicy. That's right. What so, adds flavor to your games? That's right. More than tones and tropes. You can go to your core rulebook, page two forty one, and we're gonna start. We're gonna talk about the tones and how to use them in your setting in your adventures. Um, some of these you don't want to use all the time, but sprinkling sprinkling them in through a campaign it makes it come alive a little more, I would think. Um, oh, yeah. And, and especially it, if you're going so with one of these tones to keep mm-hmm. it for the entire campaign. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it, it creates a certain type of game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I mean we're, when what we're talking is we're talking about horror or intrigue or mystery. Pulp, which, by the way, the name of Pulp, I didn't realize that until I read this again. The books that was back in the early 1900s when we were, you know, writing all those pulp stories were written on wood pulp paper, hence the name Pulp, which that's kind of cool. Learn something new every day. And we'll get into that. And we'll get into all that. Um, We're not going to be covering supers, though. Because we're going to save that for a later on, another show specifically. Because, you know, Tony loves superheroes and being mm. them and playing them and running them and killing them and whatever. So we're going to. Who kills? What? Yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? If you're DM, right? GM? GM, DM? All right. So, so yeah, so using tones, like we said, you know, it you can. 
you know, use them throughout a campaign to kind of give it a, you know, a feel. Like I'm playing a, and this isn't necess- and, and this isn't necessarily Genesis specific either. I mean, you can take these tips to any one of your games. Um, for instance, on Friday nights, I have a buddy of mine running Five E, a high level campaign with the Five Five E, you know, D Shift Seven D game, and that feels very pulpy and high fantasy kind of right. And even your what you ran for us in our in our setting that we created, Primordial Machina, that very pulpy, right? And um, I'm also playing. So another campaign I'm playing in is War is a Warhammer campaign, which you know can get some you know bit of intrigue in there and some mystery and and you know even some horror if you will too. So you know doesn't necessarily have to be Genesis or whatever, but um, yeah, you can go between all kinds of different um, tones. Which yep. you can use, so. And <clears throat> you know, and multiple settings can do different tones. Um, mm-hmm. so by adding some of these tones to existing games, for instance, I'll take the example of Tannhauser. Let's take the existing Tannhauser weird war setting. Yep. You, th- that has already got some horror elements to it, but by doubling down on the horror, excuse me, the horror, you, you could totally have a great small campaign, one shot that's really dark and gritty. Mm-hmm. And, um, but then also in that same setting, you could do a political intrigue uh, of oh, of a absolutely. hidden threat in you know in the halls of the Senate, um, or you could uh, you could do a mystery in that and during the during the war something going on in a war torn mm-hmm. city. Yeah, you um, can even pull in you can even pull in romance and drama too, right? Because you know the soldiers went over there; they probably met um, others in like say the French Resistance and. And and mm-hmm. whatever, right? They're over they're over there for months on end in in Britain. Maybe they got close. Maybe they even got married while they're there, and then they have to now all of a sudden go off to war. Young you know, men you can, far away from their families for uh-huh. the first time in their lives. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Well, like in like in what that show, um, The Pacific, too. Um, there was I don't know if you've watched that or not. There was a, they pulled in a bit of a bit of that too. Um, so yeah, you could pull on pull on some of those tropes and tones if you will yeah now what what's the difference between a trope and a tone because that's important well um for me a trope would be um well it's something that is kind of common and just kind of happens like the bad the evil bad guy monologuing you know that's a trope right i mean that could be something um a great trope example would be in Star Wars. If you shoot something, it does shooting the door controls. If opens you want it. the door to open, <laughs> it opens the door. If you wanted it to lock the door, it locks you shoot the it door. Again. Right. Yeah, you just it, it, that's a that's a trope in yep. in that setting. Mm-hmm. So tropes are basically assumptions on how the world works. There you go. And so tones, however, are how it feels. How to get mm-hmm. that feeling from the uh, from the setting or from mm-hmm. the one shot, and that to me, that trope feels very pulpy to me, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you know, that if you want to compare, if you want to go with it that way, 
Yeah, no, that would be that particular <laughs> trope. The the Star Wars one is what makes it, you know, science fantasy. It has pulp elements to it. Oh, yeah. Certainly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cool. All right, so let's get into them. All right. Well, um, if you would like to introduce the first one, the horror one, feel free because of you, you've created your own set of special rules for this type of tone. All right. Well, a great introduction into these is the little blurb that they have at the beginning of each chapter, in the red uh, each text section. Yeah, in yep. the red texture. So I'm going to read this because I think it's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. They found Polly exactly where the encrypted message said he would be, shackled in a hollow guy's room. But his back had been carved with odd, freshly dripping icons that looked like a neural net diagram. When he said... It was Kale who had imprisoned him. They grew still. They remembered months ago when they had stopped her from stealing the bleeding edge corp tech, stopped her with a hail of flechette fire, and watched her die screaming for revenge. Oh, yeah, dude. Ooh, that's chilly, man. That makes yeah. it. That sends the chills up the spine because is this is this um is Polly going? slightly insane or did he really see kale and did kale survive or is kale an undead you know monster um yeah that's cool yeah this this harkens to you know something like dead space or something like that where you Mm -hmm. have this you know this futuristic setting but it has a dark horror bent and aliens comes to mind anytime i think of you know futuristic horror um yeah but uh, yeah, so horror-themed games are simply that. They're scary. And not necessarily do you, you know, you're going to sit around with the candles lit and you're going to tell <laughs> scary stories. That's, no, it's supposed to invoke that spine-tingling feel of, yep. oh, crap, what the hell's going on? You should, you should feel kind of like you're on the edge of your seat throughout the whole thing. Uh-huh. Um, and, th- I mean, they do describe it as being kind of a roller coaster ride um horror is where you kind of have those peaks and valleys of you know the suspense and the twists and the what you know what's kind of going on here and some of the um some of the tone or the the themes in horror like like i had mentioned oh is this is this kale person back from the undead you know that's kind of a supernatural demonic possession kind of theme that you can find in horror horror um, adventures and such too. Or you can find that man versus man horror, like you said, with the is Polly really just going insane? Yeah, is it more of an more of an internal ah, kind of going nuts? Yeah. Or and you can even play on the man versus machine horror, like I did mm-hmm. in my and Android game that I ran for you guys, where Yo. that those horror themes of holy crap. You know, we have a bioroid player, and here's all these bioroids getting hacked left and right and attacking people and going insane. And for a while there, Jamie playing his bioroid was sitting there going, when the fuck is this going to happen to me? Holy shit. <laughs> exactly. And, and it wasn't until one of the last sessions when when you're in, one of your NPCs <laughs> turned to my guy, Vlad, who's kind of like the leader of our kind of group being the lead investigator, is like, what are you doing with this guy? You just told me Byroids. When is he going to get hacked? And, I, and Vlad is like, oh shit, you're right. Nah, he's going to be okay. 
<laughs> so yeah, and it and it is one of those things. It is it is a slippery slope though. Um, mm-hmm. Using horror, um, using um, violence and grotesque horrors, body parts, those kinds of things. You got to know your audience. You got to know your your gaming group. Like for me, you know, on my Saturday night group, Tuesday night groups, not a problem. Friday night group, no. We have a couple of ten year olds that play with us, so you know you got to really. Um, got to kind of watch it there, and too much, too much of this. Like I like this, um, this sidebar here, the real versus fun horror, right? Yep. Um, yeah. Did you want to go into that a little bit? Yeah. So player ages should be a factor and such. You know, um, as with just... any, as with any of these tones, you have to boilerplate. You have to have that mm-hmm. adult conversation before. Right the game you're not just i mean sorry but i could tell you right now my gaming group like you said um not just horror my gaming group no problem with horror i can get as vile as i want to in fact we had we've run evil campaigns where they were Mm -hmm. taking pages right out of the book of vile darkness you know and no problem with that but but you wouldn't want uh, but you wouldn't want to create an adventure like that and bring it to a con and have people come join your game, and or even at your friendly local gaming store for a night. Oh, let me introduce Genesis to you. Oh, I've got this killer horror game, and yeah, you gotta you gotta watch it. You gotta just be smart. And likewise, that. none of those people, including even Jen, is really <laughs> interested in playing a romance story. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So again, know your audience. Yep. Yep. But I think that so, I mean, th- th- I think we have it here. It kind of creates it. It sh- tells like how to run horror themed games. Um, and that's just read it. <laughs> yeah, just basically read it. I mean, it, it's not bad. I mean, and I know um, we had a what do you call it? Somebody just sent in a uh, sent in a question about about um, you know horror and and. Um, those kinds of aspects, it's not deadly enough or whatever. Well, you could pull in things like these fear checks, right? Mm-hmm. Man, make a discipline check, which will make it harder for them, you know, for later on in the, you know, in the encounter or even for the rest of the session, depending. Um, and then, you know, if they score like, um, uh, what do you call it? Like a whole bunch of threat or some despair, you know, give them a trauma. Give them like some mental trauma. And again... You know that you know that's also a touchy subject, right? You know mental mental illnesses and such for for folks out there. I mean, you, you just gotta again know your audience, and um, you know it's all about having fun, really. If it'll be more fun, if you think it'll be more fun, if your players think it'll be more fun, then do it. Yeah. And if these rules here that they give you aren't robust enough for you for mm-hmm. a Lovecraftian style horror, yep. Uh, I did do my uh, Genesis Sanity rules, uh, and those mm-hmm. are still available on our uh, MeWe page. They're still available on our Facebook page. Uh, just scroll around; you'll find them. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, so coolness. That's that's pretty much it for horror. Yeah. So that's horror. So let's. So we're going to move on to the next one. Mm-hmm. Intrigue. Yeah. The Queen Goddess and the Chancellor's self-incriminating letter into the King's war room. We proudly displayed the evidence. 
silence. The king declared the letter his master plan to reveal any enemy spies and said our interception had destroyed it. Worst, he ordered us and the queen arrested for taking a letter from a diplomatically protected pouch. As we were led away, his smile told us more. It was a trap set for us, not any spy. The queen's faction couldn't stop him now. Yeah, dude, that's that's Game of Thrones shit there, <laughs> right? I oh mean, yeah. I mean, that's 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 intrigue. That's good stuff. And you pulled you pulled a bit of intrigue into our Android game that you ran too, between you know Haas Byroid, Genteki, you know, just all that intrigue kind of going on at that time. Um, makes for an interesting play for sure. Yep. You know. And, and uh, go ahead. Political, political uh, intrigue, underhanded dealings, black market handlings, uh, shifting alliances. You encourage your players um, to develop real robust backgrounds for this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You want to, you want to have a little bit of backstory to them when if you're going to do an intrigue, because you want to pull those elements forward. Secrets are important in an yep. intrigue game. Yep, and um, you know, motivate having having their motivations fleshed out as well would be good too, because you know, and you might want to get you might want to get spun up on the social <laughs> encounter rules too, because there's going to be a lot of that. Oh yeah, it's going to be a very highly social game, and mm-hmm. a lot of players really enjoy that. Absolutely. Um, one particular game that makes me think of this kind of intrigue and where it would come into play is if you're doing like a Genesis which there is a Genesis L5R conversion out there playing in L5R oh, yeah. where combat is rare in civilized society. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually de- dealt with a, in a duel, um, yeah. but there's a ton of political intrigue and this tone really invokes that setting to me. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cause you have like, your royal court, you know, mm-hmm. factions in the in the court kind of pulling back and forth. Um, and, you know, and you also have, um, you, you can also have, like, criminal organizations pulling, yep. vying for for um, control, too. Like, you can have something like, you know, Los Scorpiones versus the Trimoth in, you know, in the Android setting, right? And then yep. coupled with that, you also have the NYPD there, too. Um could you know and all that kind of can be inter interrelated and what oh, yeah. and what's interesting what's interesting here i like this on under the criminal intrigue features illegal dealings this is on the intrigue page what page was that um 245 and one of the things is so they you should have three levels for criminal intrigue that you would want to think about for your characters their relationship with like their immediate associates and their boss the reputation your character has among the general public and their relationship with law enforcement. Are they wanted? Do the law even know they're a criminal? Are they a um, an informant? Those kind of things. So, you know. Yeah. Yep. Those are, and so those those are nice little tidbits they have in here for that. So Yeah. Reputation is an important thing in a mm-hmm. in a in, a, in an intrigue game, whether it's political intrigue or uh, yep. criminal intrigue, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, no, that all works really well. You could even do now. This is just 
spitballing here, but you could do even a corporate intrigue game. Oh, yeah. Where your players are working for these mega corporations in a futuristic setting and yep. totally could do just corporate and not criminal. Mm-hmm. And everything's on the up and up except for these underhanded corporate deals that are going on because there's always those going on. I mean, you know, all of corporations course. are corrupt. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the totally is a third level there that you could mm-hmm. do. Yep. Yep. And, you so, know, they go, they go into a nice, nice list of, you know, these points of intrigue, you know, the characters' viable strengths ca- that can be used against rivals. And again, those are, you know, your, you know, the motivations and have a lot of those things um, ironed out. Did you yeah, read the, this? Go ahead. Playing an intrigue game is not for one word motivations. You have to have your motivations fully fleshed mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. with a paragraph each so that the GM can really pull at those things and use them. Yeah. Um, and you have to buy this, in and, and your characters, your players, you got to buy into it too. Like, hey, this is what we're going to do and if it's not if you just want to be murder hobos well maybe an entry game isn't quite <laughs> what you want to what you want to be playing but <clears throat> oops and gms uh, secret weak weaknesses for npcs always have that little thread that the players can pull out with some mm-hmm. triumph for with some have something you know oh this guy happens to be into you know sh- foot porn or whatever he's a, he's got a shoe <laughs> fetish who knows Uh, you know whatever weakness or vice that you can give someone in and pull at that even if you're just doing it for one encounter and you want an intrigue one session intrigue and or an encounter make sure you look these over because these bullet points are really good here on page 246 yeah they are yeah visible strengths as well you know Mm -hmm. Um, here's a good one how far will this character go to get what they want Every character should have limits, and you, as a GM, are obligated <laughs> to push those limits, right? Because that's mm-hmm. what's fun. Yeah. Yep. And so when you put those elements into an intrigue uh, game, you put those little notes into your into your adversaries, and players put them on their character sheets. Mm-hmm. It allows for this new rule here on page two forty six to really shine. Yep, uh, and it's called the major revelation. Major revelation appears. Uh, you can use this rule to see if your PCs recognize how important something is. One PC should make an average knowledge, or negotiation, or perception check, depending on what best fits the situation. Mm-hmm. If this check is successful, the PC sees a way to use this revelation to their advantage, and the group upgrades the ability check ability the ability of checks related to this revelation. If they fail, they misread the situation. So there's a big penalty for failure here. That's right. And they upgrade automatically upgrade the difficulty of all checks instead. Yeah, and and this is like for the rest of the session, right? And so if you make this major reveal and they just don't get it, (laughs) yeah, you could, yeah, it'll be a little tougher for the rest of the the session. So that could be Mm -hmm. fun to play with, man. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. All right. What do we have for the next one? Yeah, that's intrigue. Uh, Mystery begins on page 246, and it begins with this. They broke into the starship's bridge, only to find the captain and ambassador both dead. Their, Their course, sorry, their course brings them back to Earth in just 72 hours. 
in a ship with 50 passengers and crew, can they solve the murders before the killer vanishes amongst Earth's teeming masses? Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> yeah, so uh, this is um, so, this is a murder murder on the Starship Express, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so there's yep. your mystery. Puzzles. It's a, mysteries yeah. are great for one-shots, again. Absolutely. Why? Because mm-hmm. it is, just like that. Mystery on the or murder on the Orient Express. Yeah. It's a train. It's not going anywhere. That's <laughs> it, right. And it you moves know, at the speed of plot. You know it, dude. And you know, hey, I threw I threw a murder mystery right in the middle of a campaign. You know, I mean, just had nothing to do with the campaign at all. They come to this town, and one of the characters was framed for it. Yes. You know, that's and a it, great one shot or middle of the campaign yeah. idea. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it it it, it, it freshened it, it made it made the campaign fresh again. You know, it spiced it up a little bit, gave gave him a break. You know, from the normal. Oh, we're gonna go get a get a dungeon. Uh, no, you're not, because Bale is in jail. <laughs> yeah, and I use that a lot. <laughs> yeah, um, there are mm-hmm. there are entire television channels dedicated to mystery, so you can't say yep. that it doesn't have some importance dedicated to true crime solving the the a mystery is it it's almost in everyone's nature yeah and play players see it as a challenge when mm-hmm. they can you know pit themselves against the gm and solve the that's murder right. or solve the mystery that's right android is a great setting for mysteries dude it's you kicked off that you kicked off that that campaign that little mini campaign with a mystery it was a murder mm-hmm. mystery. No intrigue, no nothing. It was a murder mystery. You're like, hey, yep, you show up on the scene. Girl's dead. Go. <laughs> you know? I mean, it was great. It was great. Yep. Yeah. So, and yeah, uh, mystery is, can again, can be a great change of pace for adult campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot less violence. If you're finding your characters, your players are constantly spamming the same attack over and over they're Hmm. getting bored with combat yep yeah spice it up spice it up next adventure give them a murder mystery or give them yeah yeah and if one of your sorry didn't mean to interrupt but just popped into my head here if one of your players can't make it kidnap your character Mm -hmm. hold them for ransom baby that's the session right there right the drow got him the drow got him. That's right. Draxel's got the fucker, right? <laughs> so there's that. And you know, you know, I must say, on page this list of questions when you're creating this crime, uh, was it 247? It says um, to invent the actual mystery, you need to invent the crime. And just mm-hmm. answer these questions. There's like 9, 10, 11 questions here. Who carried out the crime? Why did they do it? How did they do it? Where did they do it? What did they do it with? You know the clue game, right? And right. Oh, sorry, I'm hitting, I'm hitting the table too, aren't I? <laughs> Just speak up, Tony. Say shut, shut up, Chris. Stop biting the no, table. I love waving my fist in front of the camera so you can see it. <laughs> Who uh, are the victims? Did the perpetrator know them? Who are the witnesses, if any? What will the p- perpetrator do? And what are the flaws in the plan? What went wrong during the crime? I mean. Ah, this so this evokes so much. You know, these are cool. Now, one thing that I'll say, 
what really leads to a good mystery is a good uh, location. Okay. There was this little note here on the paragraph above those um, questions. Oh, Locations yeah. also contribute to the theme. Classic whodunit thrillers, isolated group of characters in a house, on a train, <laughs> on a starship, prevents anyone from leaving. This limits the pool of suspects as well as increasing the suspense. But uh, yeah. uh, murder mysteries can happen anywhere, but a murder at a society function feels very different than a knifing in a back alley. So, mm -hmm. you know, not very many people are going to want to find out why that corpse is laying in an alley. No way. But yep. why is the corpse sitting at a high society dinner? That's, you know. Mm -hmm. With his I, head and his caviar or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> nope. So I once had uh, a, a, a pretty boring Eberron campaign going. Uh, and I, my mm. players, my players were invited to a high society dinner with one of the members of the guild houses. You nice. know, they have the, the yeah. guild houses oh, there. Yeah. Love and that setting. they like, he was seated at the head of his table and just sitting there and everyone was, uh, moving into the room and they all gathered around the table and his Butler made everybody sit down and everything like that. And, the butler, you know, everybody sits down. Everybody's waiting for their host to speak. And the butler walks over and shakes him like, sir, you can wake up. And when he shakes him, the guy's head fell off his shoulders. <laughs> were you running this or were you playing in it? I, I ran it. You ran yeah. it? Oh, nice, dude. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, yeah, totally. Oh, my God. Here's a mystery. Why is our host dead? <laughs> <laughs> Why is his head not attached to his body? <laughs> oh, yeah. That yeah. was an important detail. Yeah, yes. you know it. Oh, which, by the way, Keith Baker is creating another um, source book for Eberron 5th edition. <laughs> Just to let you guys know. Nice. I love that setting. Yeah, I do, too. Uh, mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, so your 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 scene is important. The, yep. the, the scene of your tone. Uh, I look at my Android game. When you guys started off that mystery... It yeah. was, it was, okay, you got hired, you arrived at a, a scene, you've got cops cordoning off the scene, you've got rain coming down, yeah. you've got a garbage truck with a corpse underneath it, and mm -hmm. go. Yeah. You know, it, <laughs> I, and I didn't just describe it that simply. I gave you guys all kinds of detail of the scene. Yes, you did as much detail as you can reveal in that initial go sets that scene for the players and gives them that what oh, yeah. the heck is going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, this last paragraph for mm -hmm. this sec section is something <laughs> is that one I, of your favorite thing. This is one of my favorite things. They've even put it in here. Thank you. FFG. <laughs> You'll also get help from the players theories about what is going on. Pay attention, as they also let you know how well you are conveying the information. Yeah, I mean, if if the players, if the PC's theories are a field from what they actually happen, you may want to clarify some clues or let them go. It just doesn't matter. Let them follow the red herring, but but know when to maybe pick up on the frustration. You're right, and you'll want want to maybe drop those hints, and you can easily drop a clue. If somebody has like a rank in investigation or or a rank in a specific knowledge, just pull on it and have those ready. Because as you're answering these questions, that's one of the things that had mentioned here after this questions. It's like as you answer the questions, 
create a clue for the PCs on how they can answer it, you know, answer that question to, you know, that they can discover. And if you have information on the PC, you know, what they have as far as knowledges go or, or whatever, throw some notes if you can on that. Like, hey, if they, if they mention this, you know, throw that out there. So, but yeah, definitely listen to your players and you can steer them to point A to point B, however you need to, or drop the clues when you need to. So, yeah, I love that. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we uh, murdered the mystery. Shall we move we on kind to of the did. next one? Yes. The pulp. Is it my turn to read this uh-huh. one? Okay. Pulp. Yes. Okay. Somehow, the professor managed to convince the university to send a team out to the midst of the Atlantic Ocean. Their old, rusty research vessel attested to the school's limited resources the skeptical opinions of his preposterous theory. Everyone donned their clunky brass diving suit and descended into the deep. To their surprise, a light greeted them at the bottom. Many lights. A city. Atlantis was real. What's more, it was still alive. Ba-ba-bam. <laughs> and a whole bunch of fish came around you and a guy in green spandex <laughs> yeah this is this is it man this is the pulp this is this is your high action tales your you know your flash gordon going to indiana jones indiana jones you know um, i mean when it when i was first reading this ooh, the professor managed to convince the university oh yeah i'm gonna go find the the lost ark of the covenant Right? You call I mean, him Doctor Jones, lady. <laughs> no, you no, you call him Doctor Jones, doll. <laughs> <laughs> Short round, man. He's great. He was also yeah. in Goonies too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, which, by yeah. the way, both great pulp movies. <laughs> you know, Goonies. Goonies never die, man. No. Nope. Nope. Oh, by the yeah. way, somebody somebody put a picture up there out on an internet somewhere. Might have been in a D and D group. I don't know. Um, but they put a picture out there. Of like an outside of an island, like an island overlooking a cliff, and there's like a little island on a coast. And somebody said, "Write a paragraph. What kind of adventure can go there?" And I said, three words: Goonies never die." Period. <laughs> That's it. Anyways, <laughs> That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, the, what's the key to pulp? What what what's the big the big allure to it? What it what what gives something that pulpy feel? Just action. Action pack adventures, just excitement and fun. Okay, that's probably like three things, but <laughs> <laughs> big excitement. Yep, uh, big excitement. You know it. Not a, not a lot of character development. Your <clears throat> your characters are usually one or two dimensional. Yep. Um, your motivations aren't going to come into play a lot in a pulp not so much. environment. Maybe some of the obvious ones. You know, mm-hmm. if you have a weakness for blondes uh in a pulp setting um your gm should play on that yes uh yeah but that's good but uh yeah uh one of the one of the things you could do in a to give something a pulp feel uh chases chases are an integral part think about every time think raiders of the large dark how many chases are in that movie You've got Which the one? opening. <laughs> you've yeah. it, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'm saying in that one yeah. movie. You've got the opening chase is right right from the get go. He's solving the, 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 the 
getting the idol, and mm-hmm. then it's a chase. That's right. And then, and then he's in uh, Cairo, and, or mm-hmm. then it's a chase, and then he's in Tibet. There's there's so many chases in a pulp movie, mm-hmm. in a pulp game. Throw in chases. Oh yeah. Uh, what else? So much more. So much more. I mean, you have. I mean, you have your. I mean, one of the. I mean, they're they're serialized too, mm-hmm. in a way, right? I mean, which I might be jumping to the end here, but you know, when you think of um, when you think of like Flash Gordon or or some of those other like older shows from that pulp era, they ended that week on a cliffhanger. Sons of bitches! <laughs> you gotta wait a week, you know, in order to see the end of it, and. Um, yeah, I mean, and it could be really any theme. I mean, you could do westerns. You could do crime drama. You could do Cthulhu. No. And pulp. Yeah. You can. The last uh, in the themes in pulp. Pope, uh, pulp can also focus on mm-hmm. fighting strange, terrifying supernatural creatures. Oh, Obviously, yeah. this makes sense for a pairing of pulp and horror. However. A pulp horror game focuses less on the devastating psychological damage that these creatures cause and more on defeating them with dynamite Tommy guns. Kind of like <laughs> Hellboy. <laughs> Very much so. I, I mean, yes. come on. That's pretty That's pretty much it. Yeah. And this is so, interesting, though. The running the pulp-themed games. Mm-hmm. You'll want the characters to take risky actions. You know? encourage it give them upgrades when they do it it's a great way to encourage it without them spending a story point they say they want to do something action packed Mm -hmm. give them a free upgrade or give Mm -hmm. them a couple of boost dice make it cool factor yes give away dice the rule of cool that's what i say every time we end the show man the rule of cool it's fun this is just out there awesome now Mm-hmm. The, there are certain tropes to, to to these kinds of stories. Again, uh, mm-hmm. there's always a big burly bad guy. He's gonna want to get into a fist fight. Yep. Give that give that hero a fist fight. Zombies, zombies. If they're in this kind of story, they're gonna be slow. Mm-hmm. They're gonna be your classic zombie. What this means is in a pulp story, always play to the tropes. Yes. Let those assumptions fuel the game. Yep. You know, the the your criminal mastermind always monologues and gives away their plot. Exactly. To give yep. you just the right amount of time at the speed of plot for you to for you to save the you know, James Bond or whatever, right? 007 or something. <clears throat> yeah, like it like we said there it says they're serialized. Broken up into sections, natural breaks in the action. Then you have this is this this the rules for the cliffhanger is pretty interesting, where you can yeah. leave them in a very dangerous situation, you know, at the end of the adventure. Right. Why don't we read it? Because it, it it's sure. important to read this one. I think. I think so too. I think so too. So it's like you know if you you could use you may use this rule. It says at the end of the game session, um, that's not the end of the adventure. Or at the major encounter that's important to the story. Um, but if they're left in like immediate peril at the end of the session, the beginning of the next session, put all the story points in the player pool. 
Okay. Which they're going to have mostly all the player points anyway, so just be one for the for the GM, right? So you put them over there um, and let them narrate. Let them spend the story points and narrate ways how they escape. You know. Yeah, that's so very cool, isn't it? Though. Sp- yeah, by spending all of the points to immediately restore one or more dead or incapacitated characters too that's yeah. awesome i love that yeah you just spend them all or you spend all the points immediately to narratively describe escaping the situation now all the point now all the all the story points are on the gm side so now you have some to play and play with and give back to them but yeah, yeah. that's pretty cool yeah that's so pretty cool that's it for the tones folks uh we're gonna go on to setting the tone Welcome to Setting the Tone. Just kidding. We just left you with a cliffhanger, folks. We're going to go on to covering <laughs> romance and drama yeah. in our and continue our Books of Genesis segment. <laughs> or setting uh, the tone now. Yeah, no, no, still the Books of Genesis. Just okay. it was a it was it was a cliffhanger. It was it was false. I lied to you. <laughs> I lied to Chris. Chris didn't pick it up in the show notes. So, yeah, I you know. see, but I do not observe like my <laughs> uncle Sherlock. <laughs> All right, so let's see this how this goes. So, romance and drama. Mm-hmm. Commander Sinclair stormed into the ambassador's office, slamming the door behind him. You cold-hearted bastard! The ambassador sighed. I had no choice, John. When you told me you'd be rotated back to the capital, I had to use your fleet's absence as leverage in the negotiations. I never wanted to hurt you. Sinclair leaned over the desk, teeth set and tears welling in his eyes. Too late for that, Vance. What we had between us was... I thought it was special. But now, I'll remember your betrayal forever. Tony. It's a tearjerker. It's a kind of a tearjerker, man. It kind of pulls on my feels. That's right. Got to pull on the heartstrings there. Yeah. But yeah, this is um, this is definitely this theme and tone of drama and romance. You can really pull your characters, your the characters into the story, and have them truly be connected to the setting, if you will. Right. Personal yep. involvement. When you come, when they come back to a town, or or come back to a place where they've made these relationships, romantic, whatever, um, and if those people are dead, or if they're kidnapped, or something, you got motivations right away there for an adventure, and something that'll just really pull them in. Yeah, it doesn't all have to be lovey-dovey. No, I used an example of um, I had a player playing a druid in a classic d shift 7d game and their animal companion died yeah oh, and there you go and they really wanted to play out that that drama and that that heartache and mm-hmm. they really wanted to you know that player really bought into that they and so as a gm i read that in in the way they were playing their character and so i went with it yeah. i listened i there went with it yeah i designed an entire session around just that the the drama and the pain that their character was experiencing mm-hmm. and it, and it it made the uh, what was otherwise a 
up until that point a pretty one-dimensional and boring character it made that character very interesting to the other players as well as made that player like this this is one of my most memorable player characters now i mean they still go. tell me to this day 20 years later i still remember my druid that's cool. and you know that i cool. that for me would be a moment where i took a you know because that was a that was a bond whether it's a there's there's love there between that druid and his animal companion mm-hmm. and and having having that love become the object of the the whole session uh and over a couple sessions actually cool really really drew all the players into it so mm-hmm. yeah and you know it comes back to i i can't remember where i heard this but i've used this to create a couple of couple of characters i think i might have made it i answered these questions when i created Killzack for um rise of the rune lords ask your ask have your players answer the these three questions for their characters what do i love what do i hate why am i here right i mean that right there can pull in can start pulling in some um some hooks that you can pull on some things you can you know, pull on for them. That's a great way to get, that's a great way to get buy-in to any adventure, but Mm -hmm. that by having those answers as a player and as a GM, it allows you to handle these kinds of dramas. Yeah. Better. And by the way, that wasn't Kilzak. That was Yuri that you did that. Oh, that was Yuri. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I can't remember names. (laughs) Yuri. Axe man. (laughs) Axe in the back. Yeah. And there was, you know, a lot of, a lot of drama in that particular adventure that you guys ran. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. you guys got a lot of buy-in to that. Mm-hmm. And that's what really is most important when it comes to drama and romance. It really requires player buy-in. If your players aren't yep. into it, it's not going to work. No matter what it is you're doing. Right. If right. they're not into it, it's not going to work. Skip it. Move on. Try something else. Mm-hmm. And 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 think think this when you're answering this the the themes it says themes in romance and drama this first sentence really kind of says a lot drama tends to focus on realistic conflicts and situations though these can be adapted to fantasy and other fictional elements and such and they have a nice nice list of things here like courtroom dramas and mm-hmm. and such historical and alternative history stories can put them right in the heart of dramatic times and and such. Um, yeah, we had. I ran a, a day after Ragnarok campaign, um, a Savage Worlds campaign, where we had a uh, posse of. <laughs> there was a Texas Ranger and his posse going after Nazis <laughs> in like Central and South America, and you know they were like, yeah, Nazi hating and dr- dramatic, and you know there was like kind of an alternate history there that we were that we were pulling on, and I think I had done that thing where. One of the characters did get kidnapped by the Nazis, and you know, because the player wasn't there, and that's some dramatic, um, some drama there too, that you put them in some peril. Mm-hmm. So, yep. And uh, it, it, drama and romance can fit into any game. It's just you have to you mm-hmm. have to know where to put it in. Mm-hmm. Uh, a good example. L five R. L five R. Yeah, another, very good. Oh great game for that mm-hmm. um but uh, i lost my train of thought i don't I'm know sorry, where i was I, at i didn't mean to interrupt you there 
No, it's all right. I don't know where I was at anyway. I don't know where I was going with it. <laughs> <laughs> but there, one thing they do have here, um, they talk about um, uh, ro- romance tends to apply to subplots in a larger adventure. There's something else going on. The romance is usually secondary. Even mm-hmm. when the romance is the focus of the story, there's always something else in the narrative. It's, playing strictly a romance game is not going to probably play on to up it's going to play to a very small group mm-hmm. but throwing romance into any game can be fun you know i do it i did my star daryl wanted to do that in the star wars where he wanted a romantic kind of interest in in one of the npcs in my star wars campaign that's been going on for two years and and by by noticing again noticing what your players want when they start showing an interest in an npc um don't just oh let's turn this into a hookup. <laughs> you right. know, maybe maybe make that, it real. Yeah, make it kind of real. Make it kind of mm-hmm. touch on that player's emotions a little bit if they can handle it, if they're ready for it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, let it play out, and uh, you know, turn it into a romantic interest. It's gonna give you plot hooks. Yep. Yeah, it will. And yeah. one of the things here, <laughs> this whole rule for this metagame maneuvering. This is fairly brilliant, to be honest. Because I yeah. have players, and we, you and I, we have players that that the players know more than the actual character, but they still act as if the character doesn't have that knowledge. Brilliant. Those are when the, one of some of the best moments come up. And it says, hey, why not take advantage of that? If a player character believes a lie or takes direct actions to do harm to themselves or others, but the player knows better. But if they still do it, <laughs> it suggests here, take a story point from the GM pool and move it to the player pool if they do something like that, right? I mean, it's... Yeah. Re- it it's encourages that behavior in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what it does. And, and reinforces they, it. Yeah, ex- absolutely. And even if they give themselves setback, it's like giving themselves setback dice too, right? <laughs> Which we kind of do sometimes. <laughs> Nope, that yeah. that works real well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, if you have a if you have a party full of power gamers who don't want any ties and they're all murder hobos, this isn't going to work. Probably not. But but if you have someone who's going to get emotionally involved in their character, you should probably look at this tone. Yep. All right. I think we that's ready? it for tones. I think so. I think so. I think our cliffhanger's over, isn't it? Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> All right. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Appetitious Threats. Um... Yeah, we have plenty of time. It says time permitting here, but man, we have plenty of time. Um, sure we do. Yes, we do. Um, would you like to go first, sir? Sure. Okay. All right. What do you got for us? My character is named Vic Talon. Vic is a small super spy nocturnal flying mammal in a TMNT and other strangeness <laughs> game. <laughs> oh, super duper. Uh, he's a bat. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
uh, he is power surfing. That's uh, surfing with a jet ski type thing or something. I don't know. Power surfing sounds like a on a skateboard or on yeah. a surfboard. It's, it's, Maybe yeah. a skateboard. It's a powered surfboard. Yeah. Okay, sweet. All right. At night in a storm. Ooh. And he's trying to infiltrate an island fortress belonging to the Foot Clan. Nice. So All right. My GM has determined that this is probably a coordination check. It feels like it. Yeah, I think I, I think coordination will do. I have two ranks in coordination. I have three in agility. So I have a two yellow, one green pool. Okay. And I have a knack for it. Sweet. Well, um, well, let's let's set some difficulty here. How fast are you moving? Uh, I'm moving. I'm moving are at you, a clip. Are you doing like? Are we talking speed two, speed three? Oh, you power pushing? surfing. Probably speed three. Speed three. All right. Um, and what kind of handling does this have? Because I'm thinking we might have to do that. I mean, almost kind of a almost. A, I'm thinking almost kind of a piloting check. Um, I'm thinking it's going to be average, right? Yeah, but I, I think I because think... of the speed you're going, and I think from the piloting rules or the the rules there, it's an automatic upgrade. So it'll be a red and a purple. So a powered surfboard sounds like something a super spy would have, but it's probably experimental tech, so it's probably not got great handling. So maybe a minus one. Okay. I would think, so maybe a, a setback die there. You, you'll also need a setback die because you're surfing at night. <laughs> I am a nocturnal flying mammal. Doesn't matter. That does not matter. I have echolocation. You have echolocation. Oh, so you're going to use that instead of... So it'll basically cancel out your the setback dice that I'll give you for being that night. Yes. In a storm because it's freaking dark. Yep. So okay. in a storm. Okay. Now, it, how bad is the storm? Is that I think one the, or two? I think the storm... I'm almost thinking the storm might add a difficulty, though. You tell me. Yeah, let's let's increase the difficulty. Okay. Not not um, upgrade, but increase. So it'll be three dice as a base, with one right. automatic update, and then we'll do a black because of the handling, two setback dice because it's dark. But since you're nocturnal, you get rid of those automatically. Nope, um, that's I take them out after they're all put in. That's yep, what I'm so trying to build there. my pool. Yep. So the three black. I'm feeling good, man. All right, so I'm nocturnal. I have echolocation. I'm going to take out two of the setback dice for that. Okay. And then I have a knack for it with coordination checks, so I may remove up to two more. Sweet. So well, I am I am currently looking at a two yellow, one green, three purple pool. All right. As a player, mm-hmm. I need to get into this enemy base. So right. I am automatically, there is a need there. And I got a need for speed and power surfing is cool. Yes, I'm upgrading. My but chip. power surfing at altitude <laughs> is dangerous. <laughs> so let's flip a story point and upgrade that one more time. <laughs> All right. So now my final pool: three yellow, two purple, one red. No. To, uh, okay. Oh, upgrading a second time. Sorry. Well, automatic up, automatically upgraded because of your speed that you were going. Oh, gotcha. All right. All right. Well, I have news. It's yes. not it's not good news. I have four failures 
net. <laughs> what the hell? Four advantage. Okay. And a despair. Oh, drink, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> well, then. Hmm. So you were trying to make it to the island fortress. Uh-huh. With your failures, you don't make it to the fortress. Mm-hmm. How do you want to spend your advantage? I maybe wash up on a beach a few miles away. All right. And for your despair, you said this was a power surfboard, right? Mm-hmm. It explodes. Oh! <laughs> It'll explode. So maybe I I was surfing along and I hit I hit a reef because the waves are up and down and I hit this and reef. Flips you. Flips right? me in the air. The surfboard explodes. As it hits I the rocks. Up, yeah. <laughs> I end up partially conscious, just float up onto a beach a f- yeah. <laughs> few miles down the way. Maybe yeah. on a separate island, a different island. Um, I was I was thinking maybe you made it to the island you were supposed to get to. But, but you, you basically... But now I have a ninja-infested jungle that I have to crawl through. <laughs> Pretty much, because they saw the explosion. <laughs> and they're coming nice. to investigate. Good luck, Vic. <laughs> uh, Woo-hoo. <laughs> uh, the days of being a super spy are hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I am Vic. I am the knight. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be playing that guy in uh, Uncle J-Raz's super, super game, aren't you? <laughs> someday. Someday, yep. And I hope someday to maybe play this guy. Dwayne Bloodfist is a dwarven necromancer. Mm. He's going to be casting a signature spell against Gorgol Rage Mantle. Oh. And this signature spell is called Dwayne's du- <laughs> Life-Leeching Necroblast of Despair. He has to say that every time he casts it, doesn't well, he? Well, yeah, like freaking Epic Spell Wars. <laughs> <laughs> While he's holding his holy icon, which is like a big golden necklace with like a D on it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. And Dwayne, like, Dwayne is going to drain. So you get it? Dwayne, drain, Dwayne. Anyways. He's got three ranks in divine spellcasting and willpower. And he's going to be using the curse magic action okay, um, to life leech. So it's going to start at three yellow, two purple, but he's going to be adding the despair effect for two more purple. And despair is a divine only effect which will reduce the target's strain threshold. Not only the basic curse, right, which reduces... Uh, Increases the difficulty or whatever. Increases the difficulty of checks. Um, but it will um, reduce the strain and wound threshold of his target equal to his ranks in knowledge. But he has the blood sacrifice talent and three ranks in knowledge forbidden where he can use ranks knowledge forbidden to do this. Oof. It's a f- signature spell and he's using a holy icon with a divine only effect so those two extra for adding the despair effect is canceled. So gotcha. three yellow, two purple is where I'm at. Okay. Just that way. Well, <laughs> so this has got a hard coded difficulty. 
So it is. However, um, I would think since Gorgo is a uh, well, he's a pretty formidable guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Gorgo's in his uh, his wear hyena form. Oh, which right. can which can be rather scary. So I want you to throw in a couple setback die All right. for for the huge towering were hyena that is charging towards Dwayne. That's right. <laughs> and Dwayne's a southern dwarf, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Uh, and that's all I'm going to do thus far. Are that you going to do good. anything? Um. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna spend a story point. Okay. Because Dwayne is being he's being charged at by this were hyena, Gorgo. Yep. And I think there's he knows there's that room Gorgo, for a and we know that Gorgo has this friend of his that is a nemesis of Dwayne. Whether yeah, kills that knows was, it or not. <laughs> that's why I was gonna flip. I <laughs> am nice because what D Wayne doesn't know is that this sneaky Kilzak is coming <laughs> from behind. There we go. Nice. All right, here we go. We got three yellow, a green, a red, purple, and two black. Here we go. <laughs> All right. Those cancel, those cancel, those cancel. We are left with a failure Mm -hmm. with one advantage. Wow. Yeah, that's kind of nuts, man. So the spell just kind of... It hits the hyena, but he's, he's just... There's so much raging blood passing through his veins that that's right Dwayne's spell can't take hold what do you want to do with your advantage well with my advantage I would um I would kind of like to um what would I want to do with an advantage one Hunker advantage down yeah, kind of take some cover as this big axe from Killzag is gonna give him a nice little haircut. So the, basically, <laughs> you're gonna, just gonna hunker down and prepare for the charge of the Werehyena, <laughs> but what it's gonna do is gonna give a setback die to the next player to act, which would be Killzag. Killzag. Yep. Hey, right. maybe maybe next time we'll we'll get that attack. <laughs> See how that goes. <laughs> All right, man. Wow, we're just a couple of failures. Yeah, we are. Aww. But you're 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 despairingly so. You make it so sad. <laughs> yeah, but yours was anticlimactic. I mean, it one fairly advantage. was one advantage. One, it was. <laughs> but Dwayne's life leeching necroblast of despair. <laughs> Personally, everybody out there, my suggestion would be if anybody is playing the magic rules in Genesis, and you're. Um, you know, can play the not safe for work games. Go get Epic Spell Wars. Go play it. Make up voices for your for your spellcasters. Play the game. Then the next time you cast a signature spell when you're playing Genesis, remember this. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. 
everybody that is our show for tonight i'd like to give a huge shout out to the brewery done by jamie pearson out there it's about random dorky stuff taking place kind of he's taking it back to the original gathering at orc days um and uh tony just completed running jamie daryl and i through android shadow of the beanstalk homebrewed adventure called 48 hours to midnight um, he just put up like a, a Star Wars Legion battle report, which I watched completely confused because never played the game, <laughs> but it was a battle report. It wasn't a how to play this game, but it was pretty cool. Um, he has a Twitch channel and a YouTube channel that will um, just search for the brewery. Um, yeah, so that dude, that uh, Shadows of Beanstalk adventure, pretty fun, man. Pretty fun. Yeah. I think he's going to be running, I think this month, what, we got a few more weeks, and we're going to be doing, he's going to be running us through Onslaught and Arda, right? Yep, Jamie will be running us through Onslaught on Arda 1, uh, Mm -hmm. Age of Rebellion, so Star Wars. Yeah, buddy, yeah. Back back to my favorite playground. Oh, yeah. And I get to be a player for, like, the first time in two years. (laughs) Oh, whoa. Well, you know, hopefully I'll change that as well as I'll be running... The Starfinder for you. <laughs> I'm kidding. I get bit. to play a little a little more often than that, but not much. <laughs> not much. No, you run some good games. But yeah, so um, so we have our uh, we have Con and Cobb coming up October third through the sixth. Um, that's a Thursday through a through a Sunday. Nice intimate um, con. Probably what five to seven hundred people. You know, yep, there's um, going to be 12 to 14 of us we're, uh, Nerds International folks there. I don't think we're going to be like doing any huge events, but we will have our own tables. We'll have our own games going on there. And, and if you come see us and you point out that you're a fan of our shows, we will try and make room for you in one of our games. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd like to, love to meet you guys. That'd be, that'd be great. See you guys in person. So yeah, we'll be getting there when we're going to be getting there. I'll be getting there probably noon on Wednesday. Same here. Then we'll I'll be, be picking go- you up from the airport. <laughs> That's right. You and Sean will be, and I'll, we'll go get some nachos and oh, yeah. indoctrinate <laughs> Sean into the. <laughs> oh wait a second, does he listen? To no, he doesn't. Okay, but that's okay. Sean thing. is my son who is coming yeah. along. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, looking forward to that. That'd be cool. Yep. And All seeing right. everybody in person again. <laughs> Yeah, so all you guys out there at Gen Con right now, you have a few months before you can go to another con. That's right. If you spent your entire load at Gen Con, there's still con on the cob, and it's not far away. That's right. It's not too yeah, it's like Cleveland area. It's a little further away from you know than you know it's near. That's near Indianapolis, kind of. Sure. That's like five hours away. Yeah, you got to drive on those shitty Indianapolis, Indiana roads, man. Jeez, Christ, man. This past weekend, (laughs) driving there. Worst freaking roads in America, thank you very much. Oh, and by the way, I must say, I have something against our federally paid for interstates having fucking tolls on them. (laughs) Fuck you, Chicago. Fuck you, uh, what do you call it? Uh, toll roads in Indianapolis and Indiana Toll Road and the Pennsylvania Turnpike, the Ohio Turnpike. Whatever. 
Um, Sorry, so, I'm, I'm back now. <laughs> you okay there, buddy? Yes. <laughs> totally fine. <sighs> Eat a cookie. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Alrighty, <laughs> folks, uh, you can get a hold of us. Send us an email. Tell Chris how you feel about the Federal Road Commission. Uh, <laughs> finding the narrative podcast at gmail.com. You can come over on Facebook, talk to me and Stefan. We'll pass it on to Chris. That's intrigue uh, there, baby. That's, in- that's political intrigue right there. <laughs> finding the narrative on Facebook. Uh, Nerds International and Finding the Narrative are both on uh, MeWe. Uh, Stefan is over on Twitter with at F. FTN underscore Genesis, uh, and he'll gladly uh, share anything that he gets over there with Chris and I. And um, finally, you can uh, tell your friends and family to listen to us. Podbean, iTunes, YouTube, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio. We'll, we'll find somewhere else that we're not on. We'll add to it, I'm sure. Um, sure. Because we want to be everywhere like Savoir Faire. Why not? <laughs> hey, that's my name backwards. So... This is Tony saying, keep is rolling the phone. <laughs> and this is Chris <laughs> saying, remember the rule of cool and just have fun, everybody. Night. See ya. Finding the Narrative, a Genesis RPG podcast is not affiliated with or endorsed by any companies mentioned in this show. Any of the products mentioned on our show or appear on our website are the property and copyright of their respected owners. All items are used under fair use and educational and review purposes. All other items are the intellectual property of Finding the Narrative, a Genesis RPG podcast. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. <laughs>